Hello again, and welcome to another episode of Monster Dear Monster, a multimedia monster podcast. I'm your host for this evening, Cameron, and I'm joined as always by my two stalwart companions in media. We are joined tonight, of course, by Dave. Dave, how are you doing? I'm I'm doing. I'm here. I'm ready. <laughs> uh, that's about right. Uh, and of course, Leonard. Leonard, how are you? Sorry, Cameron. Leonard couldn't be here today. Oh God, is it? I'm That's not sure right. This... It's me, Nick Cage. Oh I'm God, here to co-host <laughs> this episode as we talk about my wonderful movie. You know, I really should have known what you were going there for. Uh, there for for a second, but my brain immediately went, "Is he? Is he doing jigsaw? Is this? <laughs> is this an attempt to? <laughs> no, it's Nick Cage. Of course, it's Nick Cage. Uh, wonderful. Yeah. Um, yeah. We're talking about a Nick Cage movie, which is endlessly exciting to me. We are talking about uh, The Color Out of Space, uh, an adaptation of a classic love horror, uh, love Lovecraft horror tale. There we go. <laughs> love horror might have been a Cameron, last name. Cameron, calm down. Calm no, down. I know that no. it's really, really exciting to have me on the show, but. <laughs> oh, God. Um, yes, it's very exciting. The, the colors there. There in me. I'm drinking the water. Ugh, it's good water. Um, yeah, we'll talk about the film. Uh, Len and I have gone back and read slash listened to the original story as well, so we'll be able to contrast and compare there as well. I have a feeling this is going to be really fun. But first, of course, we must talk uh, in the realms of Europe before the realms of the Americas, we must talk about our legendary Slavic creatures. Uh, so, as usual, for this segment, we're each picking a creature off the fairly long Wikipedia list of Slavic folklore creatures and having each other read them out and see what pops up. Uh, so, kick us off, Dave. Who's reading what? Cameron, if you could read about the Rubesal. Rubesal. That I can do. We'll load this up. Rubeshal. Uh, Guardian Rubeshal is a folklore mountain spirit, Woodwoes, of the Krkonase Mountains. Uh, I probably pronounce that off the giant mountains. The Rizen, the Rizengeberg, the Karkonase. It's a mountain range between the historical lands of Bohemia and Silesia. He is the subject of many legends and fairy tales in German, Polish, and Czech lore. Let's see his name. The origin of the name is not clear. One interpretation from How Rubesal Got His Name by Johann Karl August Musaus, which recounts how Rubesal abducted a princess who liked turnips, Rubens, uh, in German. The princess gets very lonely there in the mountains. To keep her company, Rubesal turns the turnips into friends and acquaintances. As you do. As the turnips wilt after a little while, so do the persons that were created by Rubesal's magic. <laughs> Uh, the princess asked him to count, which is Zalen, uh, the turnips in the field. While he counted, she escaped. Following this explanation, some early English writers translated his name as Number Nip, that is the turnip numberer, including the 1911 Encyclopedia Britannica. Um, another proposed etymology is Riebetzagel, from a combination of the personal name Rieber and the Middle High German Zagel, meaning tail, from his pictorial representation as a tailed demon. 
according to Friedrich, Friedrich Klug, uh, the name is a contraction of Middle High German, Robertzagel, the turnip tail. Uh, it is a name of ridicule, ridicule, the use of which provokes his anger. So he doesn't like being named the turnip man, I guess. That's fair. Um, respectful names are Lord of the Mountains, Treasure Keeper, or among herbalists, Lord John. <laughs> I mean, I guess if your name was John and everyone's just like, oh, it's the turnip demon. Uh, uh, uh. Yes, you would be mad. Um... The Polish name, which I will not attempt to pronounce, uh, is a direct translation of the German name. Nice and easy. Legends. Ooh, ooh, there's a bit in German which is translated just below. Here we go. Rubitzal, you should know, has the nature of a powerful genius. Capricious, impetuous, peculiar, rascally, crude, immodest, haughty, vain, fickle. Today your warmest friend, tomorrow alien and cold. Roguish and respectable, stubborn and flexible. Uh, Musaus writing in Volksmärchen der Deutschen Zweite Teil, containing the legends of Rubezal, 1783. Um, in legends, he appears as a capricious giant, gnome, or mountain spirit. With good people, he's friendly, teaching them medicine and giving them presents. If someone derides him, however, he exacts a severe revenge. He also sometimes plays the role of a trickster in folk tales. Uh, stories originating from the pagan times. Rupertzal is the fantastic lord of weather of the mountains and is similar to the wild hunt. Unexpectedly or playfully, he sends lightning and thunder, fog, rain, and snow from the mountain above, even while the sun is shining. He may take the appearance of a monk in a grey frock. He holds a stringed instrument in his hand, the storm harp, and walks so heavily that the earth trembles around him. In Czech local fairy tales, Rupetzal gave sourdough to people and invented the traditional regional soup, Caselo. There is also a mountain named Kotel, which means cauldron. When fog rises from the valley at the bottom of the Kotel, people say that Rupetzal is cooking the Caselo. Rupetzal is seen to be the guardian of the uh, Krakonos Mountains. Physically, he varies. He can take any form he wishes from an old granny to a giant crossing, crossing his mountains with one step. Historically, his character has kept on expanding. From a bad demon causing storms and heavy snow, he evolved into a guardian of the poor people living in his mountains. It is said that he could test someone at any time to know whether that person's heart is pure, and that if one does, that person will be shown the way to treasures hidden deep inside his mountains. He punished the German landlords mistreating Czech people, as well as any invaders. Uh, then there's several lovely sculptures of him. Um, there is a museum devoted to Rupertzal in the German town of Görlitz, uh, opening in May 2005. That sounds like an interesting place. Uh, he also shows up in several poems and other pieces of literature. I think we'll leave that for another time, though. Well, it's a lovely little figure. Excellent. Uh, and Leonard, what are you going to ask Dave to read about? Yes, uh, Dave, will you tell us about Det Moraz? I will try once I click this link. Let's see here. Ah, uh, yes. We're all familiar with the tale of Father Frost. Det Moraz. Mm. And then I just I'm slammed with a bunch of Cyrillic, so we will <laughs> skip that part. Morozko. Um, is a legendary figure similar to Father Christmas and Santa Claus, who has his roots in Slavic paganism mythology. The tradition of Detmoros is mostly spread in East Slavic countries and is an important part of Russian culture. 
Although at the beginning of the Soviet era, communist ban Ded Morosi soon became an important part of the Soviet culture. The literal translation is Grandfather Frost. Ded Moros is depicted as bringing presents to well-mannered children, often delivering them in person on New Year's Eve. In East Slavic cultures, Ded Moros is accompanied by Snugorochka, uh, the snow maiden, his granddaughter and helper, who wears long silver blue robes and a furry cap, or a snowflake-like crown. She is a unique attribute of Ded Moros, uh, since similar cultures, characters in other cultures do not have a female companion. Ded Moros wears a heel-length fur coat, a semi-round fur hat, a valinki on his feet. He has a long white beard and walks with a magic staff, often riding a troika. The residence of Ded Moros in Russia is considered to be the town of Veliki Ustik, uh, Volodka Oblast. Uh, the residence of the Belarusian Ded Moros uh, is said to be Belepska Pushcha. <laughs> All right. <laughs> We'll, we'll go with that. Development of the character... Mm-hmm. Okay, this is important. Uh, origins of the character of Detmoros predates Christianity as a Slavic wizard of winter. According to some mm-hmm. sources in Slavic mythology, Detmoros, back then also called Morotsko or Det, is a snow demon. However, before Christianity uh, of Rus, the term demon had no negative connotation. Like with other mythical figures, only over time demons were attributed negative characteristics. Under the influence of Orthodox traditions, the character of Detmoros was transformed. Since the 19th century, the attributes and legends of Detmoros have been shaped by literary influences. There was a play that was influential, and and a libretto was based on the play. By the end of the 19th mm-hmm. century, Detmoros became a popular character. Following the Russian Revolution, Christmas traditions were actively discouraged because they were considered to be bourgeois and religious. Religious. Uh, similarly, in 1928, Dead Moros was declared an, an ally of the priest and Gulak. Um, nevertheless, the image uh, took its form during current Soviet times, becoming the main current form during Soviet times, becoming the main symbol of the New Year's holiday Novigod uh, that replaced Christmas. Some Christmas traditions were revived following the famous letter by Pavel Postchev, published in Pratva on in uh, 1935. Um, Pushchev uh, believed that the origins of the holiday, which were pre-Christian, were less important than the beliefs it could bring to Soviet children. This is actually fairly long. Um, in modern Russia, the Western Santa Claus made inroads into the Russian Federation during the turbulent 1990s when Western culture increased its penetration into post-Soviet Russia. The resurgence of Russia in the 21st century brought about a renewed emphasis on the basic Slavic character of Detmoros that included the Russian Federation and subordinate governments sponsoring courses um, every December with the aim of establishing appropriate Soviet nor- Slavic norms for Detmoros and Snegorochka. Um in their roles for the New Year holiday. People playing Dead Moros and Snegorochka now typically make appearance at children's parties uh, during the winter holiday season, distributing presents and fighting off the wicked witch Baba Yaga, who children are told <laughs> wants to steal the gifts. <laughs> um, and Dead Moros was one of the candidates for the mascot for the 2014 Winter Olympics in Russia. Um... There is a Glosnas tracking of Detmoros, which is interesting because that's the similar to Norad <laughs> tracking Santa. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
there are international relations. Uh, Detmaros and on occasion mm-hmm. the Belarusian Detmaros are presented in the media as being ongoing detent with other various counterparts from other cultures, such as the Estonian Santa Claus, the Finnish Santa Claus, uh, other Santa Claus, and St. <laughs> Nicholas. The detent offers efforts portrayed here have included one-on-one meetings, group meetings, friendly competitions, such as the annual November Santa Claus Championships of Sel Germany. That, that I want to see that now. <laughs> um... There are equivalents of Tetmoros and Snigruchka over the former USSR, as well as the countries once in the so-called Eastern Bloc and Yugoslavia. Uh, after the dissolution, some of these countries made efforts to move away from the Soviet and Russian heritage toward their own ancient traditions. And, and wow, this is a big list. We were good. We'll, we'll skip that. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. However, <laughs> there are there is Armenian grandfather Winter, um, <clears throat> Azerbaijan uh, Saxtababa, um, Tietmaros in Belarus, Tiato uh, Koleda, his grandfather Koleda in Bulgaria, and in former the former Yugoslavia, he was grandfather of Frost. Mm. Uh, there's, there's, a, it just keeps going. This is a really long list. Yeah, it's way too long. <laughs> so there's mm. a lot. There's a lot of uh, a lot of this guy. And yeah. the images are great. Go check them mm. out. I like his blue yes. coat. His blue coat is the best. Yeah. And <laughs> the um, there is a Detmoros 1885 um, depiction by Viktor um, Vasnetsov. He's just like, mm-hmm. he's gone Super Saiyan. His hair floats in the air. <laughs> it's... He 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 he's it's just heat miser's hair. It's heat miser, or he's now a um, uh, studio Ghibli production, and when he gets angry, his hair just kind of like puffs up. <coughs> yes. Mm. Anyway, yeah, that is the <laughs> Alrighty, uh, and I'll finish it off. Leonard, can you tell us about the Poronets? Uh, Rather. Ah, the por- uh, neck, uh neck is a. <clears throat> let me move my mic closer. Is a hostile and malicious demon from Slavic mythology. They were believed to come into existence from stillborn fetuses, <laughs> but also from improperly buried remains of children who had died during infancy. Uh, okay. A uh, pleasant. I proknolek <laughs> uh, uh, neck is somewhat similar to a being from Scandinavian folklore, the Meeling. Uh, ooh, proknolek no nos noski were con- plural. Uh, were considered to be uh, extremely powerful demons due to their potential of unrealized life. This is the kind of lore building, world building that Mm. I'm I'm here for. Um, They were associated with many taboos regarding pregnant women, such as uh, prohibition of drawing water from the well, prohibition Mm. of leaving the home with an infant, and prohibition of engaging in sexual intercourse. Uh... Stillborn fetuses did not turn into a, a neck 
uh, if it was buried under the threshold of the house. Instead, it turned into a kobu book, a protective house spirit. Yeah. Uh, and uh, in just a side note, in popular culture, in the 2015 video game The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt, one of the main quests revolves around the search for a botchling, a prokinolek in the original version, that can be killed or turned into a lubricant. Which is the claw book. Yeah, I remember that. That was a weird bit of that game, but it was very cool. <laughs> god, I'm just thinking that was five years ago. Oh god. <laughs> yeah, no, don't think about it. Stop thinking mm. about it. Mm. Don't, yes, don't. I uh, just yeah. don't just don't just don't look back. Just don't look back at anything that you remember fondly ever again in your life. And oh, you'll god. and you'll be happy. You'll be uh, happy. We were uh, I was just watching a, a streaming um from Hex Crank of um, Alien Isolation, and it's like, that was 2014. The game looks oh, really God, good. It yeah. holds up really well, but it also was mm. that, that many years ago already. Six years ago. Yeah. Oh, wow. I Time remember flies. like it was yesterday. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, let's enfold time around ourselves again and return to a more pleasant era. Uh, that was a wonderful section on the legendary Slavic folklore, uh, but we're going to wheel on around to our main segment. Uh, so, we're going to talk about Color Out of Space. Uh, the distinction, is, of course, is that the short story is THE Color Out of Space. The film is just Color Out of Space. Uh, it's a 2020 American sci-fi cosmic horror film, directed and co-written by Richard Stanley, uh, which is his actual first directing gig since he was fired from the island of Dr. Barreau in 1996, so it's been a while. Uh uh, it yes. stars, of course. We should Nick we Page. should go back and cover <laughs> Dust Devil because that's a really good mm. film, and it's also really yeah. Stanley. Mm. Mm. Excellent. Um, so this is this is a pretty exciting film for me uh, because it's a really good Lovecraft film. It's a very, I would say, a faithful modern adaptation is probably the best way to put it, and. Uh, Richard Stanley wants to do a trilogy of these, and he wants to do the Dunachora next, and I say, yes, bring that on. Um, so, yeah, my personal impression, this movie's great. It's strong overall. It's, it, it gets that good, eerie, tense, horror-y feel really well. It looks amazing. Nick Cage is great. He hams it up, of course. Um, and all the other actors are really good as well, honestly. Uh, and it's just a really good, faithful adaptation of a, what I, what I, what I feel is like a really solid Lovecraft story. Um, but of course that's my opinion. Uh, Dave and Leonard, what do you guys think? I'll let you go, Leonard, first. Oh, right. Uh, I actually had to watch the, I, I've been saying this a lot on 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 the the trio episodes, but my my journey with this movie was was a long, long and winding one. I mm. watched it once uh, during um, uh, during the day, uh, just mm-hmm. over the co- course of the day uh, yesterday, in fact, and I was just I was it was it was it wasn't landing for me it i was i think i was i was being a little too upset 
about the changes that were made and uh, wasn't mm-hmm. giving the film enough credit for uh, on its own merits. Um, I did spend a lot of the t- a lot of my first watch saying, I just wish they had done this. And I, uh, mm-hmm. uh, and then, um, and then I made dinner and then decided that I needed to watch it again because I, because I actually, at the end of the movie, I, I had the thought of, I don't think this is a bad movie, but I don't think that I like it. And I had a real big problem reconciling that (laughs) with myself. So Mm -hmm. I ended up watching it again with my partner over dinner and just taking it in as its own thing. And I ended up coming out of it pretty positive on this, on this film. So I did actually like turn a corner and and mm. loop back around on this movie and and definitely do enjoy it um mm. for what it is i i walked away from the second viewing saying okay this is accessible lovecraft the thing the thing the issues that i were was having with it was uh was from the perspective of the weird Lovecraft superfan that is all about the mm-hmm. existential dread of Lovecraft, yeah. and I'm like, yeah, that's a little much about for general audiences. I'm like, all right, <laughs> all right, if this will if this will help get people into Lovecraft, then yeah, this is this is very accessible Lovecraft, mm-hmm. and I think it's probably one of the better adaptations for getting people into Lovecraft after having yeah. watched it. Mm. Dave? <laughs> yeah, I was looking forward to this one before it came out, uh, as I think we all were. And I watched mm. it. I like Once it was on home video release, um, I picked it up, watched it, uh, and enjoyed it. Um, yeah, there, there's some differences from the source material, but I overall it left a good impression. Um, but knowing we were going to be covering this, uh, for an episode, I, I watched it again, just in like clips. I just needed to like have it refresh myself on what was going on, but that gave me the time instead also to look at the, um, behind the scenes, the making of, and the interviews with the cast and the director and get a little bit better picture of what they were trying to do because you, you get the product as it, as it stands and you have the 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 writer, the director, and the producers. Their vision is like what it's going to be, but you don't. It's mm. not conveyed to you like what that actually was supposed to be. You're just getting the end result of a collaboration, uh, and right. taking the time to realize that they they spent a long time shopping for scripts, like finding the script for an adaptation, and then trying to find a director that could bring that to life and had to actually go specifically to go convince Richard Stanley to, to come even back to Hollywood, like to come back and direct after such mm. a long hiatus. Um, and that he brought his own spin on it and uh, took the time to further adapt the script and meld it into something that, as you pointed out, Leonard, he wanted this to be um, contemporary. He wanted it to be accessible to 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 the youth um, of today, mm-hmm. and get Boo, get them. Yes. Yeah, well, <laughs> it, it is what it is. I mean, you have to you have to play to that um, 
that denominator, but I don't think it took anything away from the film in doing that. Basically, it just added in like current technologies and uh, had a little bit more focus on younger cast members. Mm. Yes. So, and and, and char- yeah. yeah. Oh, I was just going to say and characterization in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm. there's a lot the, the, yeah. the, the original book it's as you mentioned dealing with mostly the concept of things versus the people are just pieces to to kind of work yes. with that. This mm. is the other kind of way around. You're more invested in what's going on with it. It's a, it's a family drama couched in horror. Mm. Yeah, uh, and I think it works. But it's as far as you have a better chance of identifying with something going on here and and putting a little bit more investment in, in watching the film or in, yeah. and enjoying it. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's overall it's a very positive uh, experience. I would say that I would just recommend watching this one as I usually mm. do. The only exception would be you don't <laughs> don't watch Howling Three. Um, <laughs> but but overall i'm usually pretty positive on this on the stuff that we cover uh and yeah i'm i'm really looking forward to anything else that he is is, is he or rich stanley as long as he's back mm. in making movies yeah. um that will be interesting to see the the production company on this is um it's a smaller it's a smaller Spectre production Vision? company yes and that is mm. uh, part in part helmed um by a, quite a few notable faces, so that's always interesting yeah. to see. Um, Elijah Wood is, yeah. is a, a, a chunk of the, I think mm. it's five people. Yeah, yeah. I didn't realize until I watched a couple interviews, and he was just sitting there on like the panel of people. I was like, is, is that? Yeah, he's, he's is part of the production Elijah company. <laughs> 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 yeah, he's been doing a really good job in um, doing. Uh, not only the production side of things, but in his in his acting, um, he's picked a lot of weird roles. Like they're just really out there, mm. and he's just having yeah. fun. He's just having a lot of fun making strange, uh, horrifying films. Mm. And it's, it's all uh, good. I, I I really hate to interrupt, but but Cameron mentioning Elijah mm. Wood just hanging around the set like while interviews were taking place. Just kind of makes me wish that he and Nick Cage had just gotten together and he had decided to just sit on Nick Cage's lap like a ventriloquist dummy <laughs> and do the interview that way. Yes, uh, it, it would have been. It would have be been something. It would have been priceless. And mm. if he's just like mouthing the words, but it's Nicholas Cage yep. talking. Yep. Yeah. In yeah. fact. <laughs> In fact, we'll cut away and not actually see Nick Cage's face. You just hear his mm. voice coming out of puppet Elijah Wood. <laughs> because that's uh, what we do here. It's all about puppets. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Love me some good puppets. You're, you're this welcome. This actually has a few good ones. <laughs> mm. <laughs> yes, there, there is. There, um... You know, their your vi- mileage may vary on the visual effects work, but I was ultimately positive on it. The biggest thing is this film is gorgeous. It's gorgeous. Mm. It's it's it is legitimately brilliantly and gorgeously mm. shot, like from from frame one to the end yeah. of the film. So I can't. And also, the sound design is also legitimately yes. really good in this oh. film as well. 
Mm, um, yeah. Yeah. There are some, there are some big positives, uh, just from a filmmaking and, and film viewing standpoint, if you're mm. into that kind of thing, like I am, uh, that yeah. you will definitely appreciate and take notice. Like there's not a flat shot, like flat looking shot mm. in, in, in the mm. film. It is, it is brilliantly graded and, and, yeah. and shot. Yeah. They, um, they, they did the primary, um, amount of their filming in Portugal and oh, okay. that, yeah, that environment l- lent such a like otherworldly, but like lush vibe mm-hmm. that they could play around with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. yeah. You're not gonna you're not gonna get these vistas in New England. So, <laughs> 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 yeah. All right. Um. Well, with that, let's give let's give a hopefully not incredibly long summary of the plot. Um. So the the film focuses around the garden gar, garden gardener thanks brain uh gardener, gardener. family <laughs> yes who uh who have moved out to uh Arkham County to sort of bring the family back together after the mother Teresa's mastectomy uh sort of family healing move um and uh they they've started a farm out there um god I love Nick Cage on a farm honestly he is <laughs> So good as the sort of the the uh what is it the idealistic uh, uh, the idealistic like farming is going to be great and then just breaking down over the course of the movie about it. Um, yeah, but, because um, it's really hard. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Listen, look, alpacas are the animal of the future. <laughs> I'm not here a word against that. Oh uh, yes. Um, yeah. So uh, the family has moved out to this sort of this this dainty country area. It's rarefied air, it's much better for health and uh, mental health as well. Obviously, hundred percent. Um, and uh, they the have just water about in the their lives. Um, the other thrust of the plot being uh, what's his name? Ward, who is a hydrologist surveying the area because the uh, Arkham County plans to build a reservoir, a big dam uh, in the area. And he is selecting the super. Uh, we may uh, have lost you, Cameron, on a large chunk of that. Oh, super Robot Wars. Am I back? I have it, no idea what happened there. I don't know. It's back now. Okay, is it good? Uh, yes. Let's see. Yes. Better. Better. <laughs> better. Better. Uh, I do have my audacity running, so you can. Yeah, go. I'll I'll have you send the local files. Mm. And we'll just pop yeah. this up later. Cool. No worries. Um, God, where were we? Um, <laughs> I don't know. We we lost you for like a minute, so I don't know what you were saying. Okay. What was the last thing I said? <laughs> we got um, alpacas are the animal of the future. Animal of the future. Cool. Alpacas are the animal of the future. Um, so... The majority of the story focuses on this gardener family here, you know, doing their best to adapt to life out in the sticks and heal. Uh, but the, the other underrunning subplot here revolves around Ward, who is a hydrologist surveying the area to see uh, its suitability for a reservoir project that Arkham County has planned to supply drinking water to the entire East Coast. Um, this is obviously not related to the cosmic horror of the film and will in no way affect it at all. Mm-hmm. This can't go wrong. Terrible. Um... Yep, and uh, as uh, Lynn and Dave mentioned, this one, compared to the short story, really does focus on characterization a lot. So we uh, 
we get to meet the family. They are actual characters in this one. Um, and the first thing we see of them is uh, we see the daughter Lavinia p- uh, performing a ritual to restore her mother's health uh, out by the river. Uh, she's taken up uh, paganism and Wicca traditions, which is uh, she's an interesting character. It's just, it's, it's like the the traditional teenage girl stereotype, but actually into the uh, the darker side of the Lovecraft universe, as it were. Uh, she has to copy of the Necronomicon in paperback, which I kind of find hilarious. Uh- <laughs> um, I did actually wanna, I did actually wanna talk about about that aspect of the film. Mm. <clears throat> that I wasn't expecting, which was is that this this film is 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 set in the Cthulhu mythos Lovecraft universe. Like mm. it is, Arkham exists. Like all yeah. the all the places exist. It is it is set in this world. Mm. So when I was go when I was watching it the first time, I I I it was I thought that it was interesting conceptually but i was kind of upset that it seemed to be just kind of like referential lip service like uh like mm. oh here she's named lavidia like oh lavidia wait like, i get it done with her and so i was I, I was in a bad headspace the first time that i mm. i watched this movie clearly because i was just grousing at everything i was like mm, oh mm, oh you think you're so clever with your arkham and your mescatonic river references and i was just <laughs> like being kind of a weird jerk jerk to this movie and i think that the, the thing that stuck out to me most uh, and the thing that i had like the problem reconciling during my first watch was well if this is said in the lovecraft universe this can't be present day the present day wouldn't possibly look like this it'd be like a possible nightmare because everything's mm. trying to destroy humanity in the Lovecraft universe. <laughs> so um that resolved itself upon second watch. I was able to get mm. past it, but that is that is something that was was floating around in my head the entire time the first time. You yeah. um you you're gonna get uh Schroeder's uh movie review from me today <laughs> where it's both good and bad. Mm, uh, yeah. But yeah, ultimately I do, I do uh, think that it works actually being contemporary and set in that Cthulhu mythos Lovecraft universe. I think it does ultimately mm. work. Yeah. 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 Um, so yes, we've got Lavinia who is uh teenage occultist, we've got Ward, the hydrologist, we've got Nathan, the aspiring farmer, we've got his wife, Teresa, who is a stockbroker, uh, and is very angry at moving out to the sticks with a bad internet connection, which I can relate with. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have their eldest son, Benny, uh, who is just a normal teenager, he, play, he plays Kerbal Space Program, and he hangs out with the local uh, squatter and smokes weed. Um, <laughs> uh, the local squatter, famously played by, uh, Tommy Chong, of course, because that's great. Um, <laughs> who, who, who actually legitimately turns in a pretty good performance mm. in this, oh, in yeah. this film. He, yeah, he fits that I role was... perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Uh, and they have a younger son, Jack, who is a very withdrawn uh young boy who 
really only hangs out with the family dog, Sam. Uh, and with that, we have a more or less complete cast of characters to slowly go insane. Um, so the the real instigating incident here is one night a magenta meteor crashes on the farm. Um, again, Landon mentioned earlier, visual effects and sound effects, especially in this film, are really, really, really fantastic. Like the, uh, it's hard to describe. Um, of course, picking magenta as the color for the color out of space is because magenta isn't a real color, and our brain made it up to try and uh, understand a mix of red and blue that isn't really represented properly in the real spectrum of light. Um, again, like I said, super cool visuals, super cool sounds, meteor strikes, um, there's a big hullabaloo about it, of course, the press come, there's like, oh, there's a, there's a meteor, ooh, ooh. Um, and then the next night there is a thunderstorm which disintegrates the meteor, it disappears, uh, and the press come by for the actual shot interviews, and it's like, oh, where's all your evidence? He's like, oh, there's a, there's a big hole in my farm. <laughs> the meteor was there, I swear. I wasn't drinking. Um, we get... <laughs> I, I like well, maybe just a little. That scene. Maybe I had one. Just a little. <laughs> yes. Amateur farmer, bourbon connoisseur. <laughs> Nathan Gardner. Uh, that, that scene of um, Cage watching the news report of the interview with himself and just going, oh, God, it's, oh, shit. <laughs> it's, 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 it's really good. It's re- mm. couldn't, some, couldn't somebody get me a comb? He's <laughs> like, why did you let me say those yeah. things? <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's, ufo it's eyewitness <laughs> you said that you said that there was a ufo <laughs> i will i will i will i will degrade this nick cage impersonation until i am just doing buffalo <laughs> bill from silence of the lambs yeah yeah that might be where it ends up <laughs> uh, yeah um yeah, that's absolutely great. Um, so yeah, the meteor disappears the next night. Um, there's nothing too weird yet. Things are things are a little odd. You know, there's this strange magenta flower has shown up by the well. Um, Jack is sort of getting obsessed with the well. He's looking down into it. He's seeing uh seeing some stuff or hearing some stuff down there. Um, this this weird bright magenta praying mantis hatches from an egg down there and just flies up and about and i gotta say they did a really good job of taking a praying mantis already the most alien looking of bugs and making it look a bit off and alien comparatively (laughs) which is impressive uh just just like the eyes are weirdly placed and overlapping and then of course some of the few little tentacles come out of its mouth at one point i believe but um yeah the um great little details the visual effects crew uh on the behind the scenes said that the praying mantis that was like the hardest effect to do because they Mm. they couldn't um there's a lot of moving parts on it and they had to make it mesh but still look like a correct praying mantis or like if it's too alien Mm. it doesn't work yeah yeah yeah. yeah, exactly. And, and there's uh, nothing yeah, on I camera really for hit that, it. so... Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, again, they really hit it. It's like, it's the uncanny valley, but for an insect, which I think is an interesting note to hit. Mm. Uh, <laughs> um, 
uh, Ward, the hydrologist, who has met uh, Lavinia at this point, you know, comes to check things out as well, uh, tests the water from the farm's well, which is all the gardeners drink for water, apparently, um, and, you know, you know, takes it back to his tent, tests it, and the, the, uh, the pH testing strip blows magenta again, weird sign, uh, he does advise people not to drink it, but, uh, who's gonna listen to an expert in these times, I guess? Um, yes, one, one from, <laughs> uh, you from Boston? Oh, yeah, yeah, that was very, that was, that was, that was a real good, like, just modern re- rework of, yeah, mm. I could see Lovecraft writing that, that sounds like Lovecraft sentiment, like, mm, yeah. educated Bostoner, huh? Hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why H.P. Lovecraft was suddenly just Nicolas Cage, but we'll just. No, you know. It. Yeah. Well, we don't know what he sounded like. It's entirely possible he did. <laughs> um. It, just, just for a moment, I do want to go. Just go back to uh, Ward having tested uh the drinking water and that mm. entire sequence the the ward is beset upon by the color yes. uh sequence um this mm. is actually something that i the thing that i was re- most looking forward to was mm. watching how how the color interacted with contemporary technology yeah um, and and i think it i think it works really well um, because I want, so just to lay out the sequence, Ward's, mm. uh, camping, camping out in the woods, he's tested yeah. the water, he's listening to, like, a political ad or some kind of news, news report from the mayor talking about the, the dam, and he gets a call on his cell phone, and it's nothing but static, and mm-hmm. then he hears something out in the woods and investigates and sees the shimmering uh, glow of the color, not fully mm. formed, but seemingly yeah. stalking him. Uh, then mm. his car turns on by itself, and then uh, the radio turns on again by itself. Mm. But the thing that I liked about this se- entire sequence conceptually is, oh, the color just tracked him because it was in the drinking water. So it yeah. was... It was doing all these things to, pro- like, affecting mm. all these things, like calling his cell phone just to kind of get a bead on where he was. Mm. Um, th- mm. At least that's my headcanon for the entire sequence. And that yeah. uh, really worked for me. I like mm. the, because then it, 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 it brings, uh, it brings, um, an aspect of the thing, which once again is very much, uh, you know, Lovecraft adjacent. Uh, mm. as a whole, and I'm like, yeah, of course, like, composite parts, like, it's one whole, so yeah, I'd probably would like to know where that little bit of it <laughs> and that stagnant water is, so yeah, I, I, found, yeah. I found that sequence to be really effective, and really a, a the payoff to let's set the, col- uh, the color out of space during modern times. Yeah, and um, actually, com- contrasting this for a moment with the short story, the visuals for this bit are actually the bit that I liked the most in comparison there. Because yes. in the book, there's a, there's a point where, um, a character gets a fleeting glimpse of the color and it's like this, your eyes slide off of it. It's this strangely hued vapor that is almost impossible to see. And in this scene, it doesn't glow. 
And when he moves the torch over, it took me like half a second to go, oh, that was it. That was it right there. This like tiny magenta-ish oily glistening cloud that almost blends into the background. It was actually really subtle and I really, really liked the effect there. Yeah. And then, you know, it sets off the car alarm and everything. You go, oh, it's over there. Ah. <laughs> but, what was that yeah. noise? Hmm, what's that noise? <laughs> um, yeah, uh, so the, the thing to watch for the, from this point, obviously, is who's drinking the water. Uh, so we have things like uh, Nicolas Cage is drinking his bourbon with ice. Uh, Lavinia is drinking coffee, obviously made with the water, all that kind of stuff. Um, and if things build to point, people are getting a little more irritable, a little more rascable, people just a little more on edge ever since this happened. Uh, and this all comes to a head on the night when, uh, Nathan's interview is shown on TV and he keeps asking Teresa to come see this, see what fools they're making of him while she's preparing dinner. And she absentmindedly chops off two of her fingers and turns around, dinner's ready, with just holding up her mutilated hand, which is... Awful, obviously. Yes. Mm. It is. Yeah. It is. And it's, it's, it's like a fugue state, almost. Like, she was just, chop, 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 eyes completely blank, mind miles away, and then, of course, something terrible and accidental happens, and I was like, ooh, uh, too close to home. Uh, uh. <laughs> it's a sort of, um, it was weird, because it sort of cut the tension a bit, but also, like, in a very good horror gore way. Um, which I really liked. Uh, and of course, that means Nathan and Teresa are rushing off to the hospital to get her fingers reattached uh, and leave the three kids to deal with everything themselves, uh, which is just great. It's just fine. Um, yes. Yeah. Um, I, 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 uh, I, one thing I want to, I want to give uh, another uh, pro column. I want to give the movie is that, um, it is not reliant on pop scared jump noises uh for mm-hmm. horror. Mm-hmm. Um I think maybe like two at the most occur in the in the movie, which mm-hmm. is uh, forgettable. Like, you know, you'd expect like a, a a like string when the um when the uh when she cuts mm-hmm. off her fingers. But yeah. there isn't. She it just does it, and it's it's mm. infinitely more effective without the be scared sound effect. Oh um, yeah, uh, than yeah. than it would be if it were like a just a string compliment just yeah. for that yeah. scene. Yeah, absolutely. This is just a solid wet sort of cracking thud. I'm like, ooh, yeah, there it is. Ugh. Yeah, mm. uh, absolutely awful. Um, so yeah, uh, the parents are away, uh, and the. Mice must play, according to Nicholas Cage. Was the mice must play? Um, <laughs> so Benny is left in charge, well, the, which means while well, the cats are away, the charge. mice will play. Huh? Must play. Uh, uh. Yeah. Uh, so while they're away, Benny's in charge, which means Lavinia's in charge. Um, so he, Benny has to take care of the alpacas. Uh, you know, take them out to graze, put them back uh, in for the night. <laughs> Again, the animal of the future. Uh, you don't get much milk, but I'm sure the meat's good eating. Um, <laughs> Uh, and again, things are starting to get pretty weird. Um, you know, uh, the, the packers are out and they put back in and then they are just 
back out randomly, and so they're put back in again. Um, later on, when the parents come back, the alpacas are inexplicably out once again, and it almost seems to be like time itself is shifting around at this point. People are really confused. Um, Lavinia is cleaning up the mess in the kitchen from where her mother cut two of her own fingers off, uh, and we get we get the great great don't puke don't puke don't puke as she washes the bloody knife and then just kind of falls into that fugue state again, and we just see some like six hours suddenly disappear. It go it goes literally from midday to night in a matter of seconds for her uh, for her perspective. Um, yes, and the one who gets it the worst of all is obviously the little boy Jack, who the last few days has been sort of hearing stuff from the well, which is this sort of high pitched ring. Um, and so he's obsessed with the well. He's sitting outside just watching it uh, with the dog, and this enormous magenta light just sort of strolls by uh, in the distance, and the dog freaks out and takes off after it, and. There's some barking and some yelping, and the dog is never seen nor heard from again for the entire film. Um, yes. Which, you know, it got the dog. That's, that's, that's Lovecraft. Um, so, so, Cameron, just one mm. thing. Um, do you think that now is the appropriate time to go into the biggest deviation from from the, the story uh, to the movie adaptation, which is the passage of time? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's fair. Um, so uh, basically, this seems to be taking a, taking place over the span of maybe a week at most uh, in the film. Uh, in the book, it takes about a year and a half, essentially. Yes. Yeah. Um, and to be fair, from the book, we are seeing this from like a second person perspective, almost like someone is telling right. us about their experience on the outside of this incident, whereas we're obviously seeing the incident. Uh, front and center in this film um so yeah it, it's a much shorter passage of time in the uh actual farm here yes but 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 is it because because mm. uh the older brother does postulate that the color itself is actually affecting time like mm. the event horizon of a black hole and that yes. the the idea is that the time around the farm and the the land has is actually dilating to the point where it has been possibly mm. a year within the film, but nobody in it can tell, and yeah. it, everything seems fine on on the out, outside. There's yeah. there's one scene near the end that that I think kind of speaks to that that we'll get to uh, a little mm. later, but um uh. Personally, from my perspective, I, I the time dilation thing was once again first viewing. I was very no mm. time dilation. Yeah, that's why you have <laughs> like this is supposed to take place over the course of months. I want to the <laughs> passage of time. I was it, being a big baby the first time, mm. but I really do think that the time dilation thing, uh, the concept works, and once again, mm. looking at it as accessible Lovecraft, the idea that, that yeah. the time is passing like this, and um, another point is that it's actually really, uh, it's reflected in the editing, um, because yeah. the editing is very, dis the time, time editing is very disjointed 
mm. all the time that you are on the farm after the meteorite lands, and it seems like scene like there's no flow from scene to scene, but it almost feels like on second watching, like, oh yeah, this last scene, it was the middle of the day, and this scene, mm-hmm. it's at night, but that character just walked into another room, and that's what it was. It went from day yeah. to night just like yeah. that. So Yeah, yeah. Um, again, Tommy Chong's on top of this with his, uh, his character like, what you talking about, man? It's already morning. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, again, really great character. I love him. Um, so, uh, right, right as, um, right after Sam the dog runs off to chase the giant, uh, purple glow cloud, uh, <laughs> Nathan and Teresa make it back from hospital. She is very fortunate in that the surgeons were able to reattach her fingers, uh, and they find their youngest, like, under 10 year old son alone in the middle of the night, uh, sitting silently, uh, just watching the well. And then the second they show up, he turns around, and screams, and starts crying. He's obviously being terribly traumatized. Um, we get the, the great scene of, uh, Nick Cage just tearing out at his, uh, two older children there. Um, just really, really really like uh getting getting very very mad uh which yes. from his perspective very reasonable um i would say <laughs> you know it's been a very stressful day and then you find um they've not looked after the the young kid but you know <laughs> <laughs> what you going to do um then um you know things are trying to calm down they're getting jack to bed trying to get him to sleep the dog's not there uh, Nathan takes a shower and the, the shower drain is blocked by what looks like just a big lump of gel, but it's actually like a weird little jellyfish that stings his hand. Um, <laughs> we've got to call the exterminator. Um, all that kind of good stuff. Um, again, weird, weird stuff in the water. Stuff is changing. Um, but you know, it's all right. Uh, it's especially right because the harvest is good this year. Big and juicy and a month early. <laughs> um, again, might support the time dilation there. Uh, these, these, uh, tomatoes coming to fruit so early. Um, they look a lot like pumpkins. Oh, those are, those tomatoes. are, those are 100% <laughs> like heirloom tomatoes. Like, I can, mm. I can, go, well, before the troubles, I could go to mm. the locals farmers market and buy plenty of tomatoes that looked exactly like that. So I was okay, like, oh, good. at least you, and yes, no, those, those were not props. Those were in fact okay. real, real, real fruits <laughs> because we do, we do some actually, actually, I was going to say we do some dank genetic stuff here in America, but really those heirloom, <laughs> to, those heirloom tomatoes are supposed to be the non, like altered uh, look of tomatoes. Everything's GMO to some level. It's fine. Uh, yeah, don't. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> don't don't get me started. Don't get me started. Uh, um, yeah, and they're In all bad. Case, GMO is bad. Yeah, yeah they're awful. <laughs> Again, the great scene: Cage just picking a tomato up, bites it, spits it out, throws it in there, picks another one up, bites it, spits it out. It's just <laughs> yeah. he doesn't stop. Meanwhile. Teresa, Teresa's trying to do her job, and the internet's mm. going out again, and she's losing it. So it's, it, yeah, it's her yeah. being furious while Nick Cage is chewing all of the scenery, and it's actually a really effective uh, mm. breakdown scene. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, and th- this is sort of the real tipping point, sort of the the previous night and this morning, uh, where it just all goes to hell. Uh, literally, uh, it gets extremely bad from here. Yes, double check, Dave is still there. He's quiet. We miss him. <laughs> oh, he's typing. Ah, excellent. It's just letting us have at it. Yeah, we 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 get to wax lyrical about this film. Um, <laughs> yes, uh, this this is sort of the real tipping point. Uh, the the next night, uh, Benny and Jack hear something out in the barn and go to investigate to check on the alpacas. You know, uh, and there is something terrible and eldritch and ungodly hidden in there. Uh, they run out screaming, uh, Jack's mother, Teresa, runs out, uh, catches him, and then they are just struck by this bolt of, uh, magenta light, which engulfs them and fuses the pair together, uh, into yep. some ungodly mass. Um, yeah, this, is, this is where it goes. Jerisa. Jerisa, yes. Yeah, Jerisa, the, the <laughs> cast named the thing. Ah, uh, yes, yeah. Uh, we forgot to mention in our greatest of errors that um, Tommy Chong in this movie had a cat named G-Spot, which was great. Um, yes. <laughs> great joke. Uh, and, uh, yes. uh, b- made better even uh, as a visual joke because it is, in mm. fact, a black cat. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, all right, that's, that's less offensive than the name that you were probably <laughs> thinking. But yeah, still, I, yes. I, I appreciate, I appreciate you still naming the cat something crass just yes. to, to, just to have it there. So mm. f- for all, for all of us looking for those racism Easter eggs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and the cat yeah. also vanishes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Until yeah. it doesn't, <laughs> until, until it doesn't, Nick, until when Nick, when Papa, Papa Cage, and and Teresa are on the way home, yeah, nearly run the poor thing over, um, and it does show up a little later as well. It's sort of a foreshadowing for this terrible alpaca monstrosity, <laughs> which, yes. um, actually, which, there's yeah. There's mm. also a there's also another bit of uh, foreshadowing for that. Um, mm. Did you any of you notice the shot of the the wooden sculpture that was like either on the mantle or the table? That's oh, just, yeah. It's on his side table when he's drinking his bourbon, watching TV. Mm. Yeah, and I'm just like, mm, hey, look at that <laughs> very explicit direct shot of something that, that looks really unpleasant. I wonder if that's mm. going to come into play later. And yeah, actually, it, it resembles the monster from the, or I guess the horror from Dunwich Horror. Dunwich Horror. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that. I was like, that looks like, like, Shubnigarath or something, you know? It, yes. It's some Lovecraftian awful thing. Um, uh, Nathan Gardner, of course, inherited this farm from, uh, I believe his grandfather or his father. As a, who knows? His father. Maybe his father. His father, yeah. yeah. Maybe something like this already happened in the area, and Dunwich Horror will be a prequel. Uh, we'll figure it, it out, I guess. It could be, uh. and, and his um, he breaks down a little later, but his mm. repeated uh, impressions of his father are mm. like the best because yeah. they're horrifying. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and 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 ultimately, what he turns into, which is the thing that he 
He's, mm. he's the most afraid of. Um, yes. Uh, j- not to not to deviate too far away from the uh, away from the the uh, summarization of the plot, but that uh, that was also uh, one of the things that I was kind of having a problem reconciling the first time that I watched this movie, which is um, mm. my my thematic concept of what the color out space is about, which is essentially. Mm. Um, uh, a force outside our uh, one's understanding, uh, influencing the people and places that these people inhabit, uh, and mm. uh, changing them uh, with with at no recourse from from the other party. And I felt the first time watching it, I had a real hard problem reconciling that with. Okay, so all these characters have inner, have like their own kind of inner demon problems, and they mm. the the color is is magnifying and refracting that, and I was having mm. a real problem dealing with that because I felt like the purity of the family in the original short story is what what the horror is the the degradation mm. of that and i felt yeah. that that was kind of lost by by making it more of a oh yeah but it's actually just magnifying the, their own faults um i mm. think that changed I, originally i thought that changed the theming of of the story uh um, a little more than i cared for but once again upon second watch um i i was fine with it because I was yeah. watching it as its as its own thing, and it makes sense because that's how mm. the only way that you can give character to these characters is by yeah. giving them faults. Yeah, it it would have been a very short film if uh, we dealt with the level of characterization for the family that we got in the short story. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. Um, so, uh, at this point, the color has basically disabled all electronics. The car battery is dead. Uh, they try calling for an ambulance, uh, to help the Jerisa hybrid mass. Um, and they get the same thing. They get that static followed by like random yelling voices, which is phone calls never work. Yeah. There's pointless at this point. The cell network and is the, completely the dead. The yelling voices <laughs> is like watching those scenes a few times. It seems like it's mm. echoes of them, of the family itself when they're in distress, but yeah. just yes. at different yeah. points of time. So you're not getting, mm. you're getting like earlier and later screaming, but it's coming through the phone at that particular yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. That will be important for the finale. Whoa. Maybe a little. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, that's, so... what we, that's what we like to call <laughs> check off cell phone. Check off somewhere. God. Um, so uh, they 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 pull their their gibbering family member inside, and make them comfortable on a couch. Uh, Nick Cage has had enough. It's time for the shotgun. Um, and he goes. Oh to... wait, can, mm. I, can, can, mm. can we just uh, can we just talk about? Um, is this be is, is the shotgun before or after the car attempt? Um, it's after the car attempt, I think. Okay, yeah, yeah. so, so, oh, so, yes. he has a really great freak out <laughs> in, in, in their car trying to start it, but the battery's dead. But here's my favorite, 
favorite thing about that scene, just go back and watch it again, mm. which is when he's beating the dash of the car, he clearly hits a button that causes the uh, antenna to raise on it. <laughs> so in the background, you can just see the antenna slowly oh. raise up on the car while he's That's having beautiful. his freak out. And I'm like, That's really good. I appreciate yes. that. That's a good that makes That's me happy. Extremely that, good, yes. That you, you freaked out so hard <laughs> that even though this car supposedly doesn't have any battery, you managed to extend <laughs> the antenna. That's it's that yeah. cage energy powering it. It is. Oh yeah. Oh man. Yeah. If yeah, if if only we could convert Nicolas Cage's crazy into energy, <laughs> it'd be like the it'd be like the laugh energy from Monsters mm. Inc. Yeah, if <laughs> everything would be fine. <laughs> Oh yeah. my god. And now and now yeah. I've just imagined a bunch of canisters with just Nicolas Cage. <laughs> they just have just his face, face different faces on them. Yeah, mm, but but when yeah. you bust one out open, it just spews Nicolas Cage screaming random nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> that would be entirely beautiful. Um So yes, he's had enough. He grabs the gun. Uh he goes out to the barn to confront uh, what his dreams and hopes for the future have become, which is this horrible lumpen oval of alpaca flesh with just necks and heads sticking out of it. Um, this yep. this is the big this is like the big practical effects shot in the movie, besides one other. Um, and I, I watched a little bit of the behind the scenes on this. They had a big full size series of heads, but they also had the whole mound done at like miniature scale with little. Uh, little puppeteering bits to get some of the uh, wider shots for it as well, and it looks it looks really good, honestly. Yes, it uh, does. It's great. Um, it, yeah, it is just a terrible, tortured abomination. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, uh, I mean, once again, if you've seen the, do- the it's it. Hey, remove mm. remove dogs from the equation from that sequence in the thing, <laughs> and just shove alpacas, alpacas in that in, in the in that in that empty spot, and you, yeah. you you know what you're dealing with. Exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, it's awful. It's horrific. Uh, it is incredibly, wonderfully gory with Nick Cage just getting covered in mutant alpaca blood. <laughs> Which, again, this scene was actually, it, it actually, when I watched it, it was kind of touching because I went, a, a lot of the, a lot of his stuff in the movie previous, this was like, alpacas are great. I love keeping alpacas. They're the animal of the future. I'm staking everything on these. And this is him literally having to put down his dream. Um, because you know, his hopes and his dreams. Marriage. Yeah, because it destroyed his wife <laughs> and yes. his child. It's like meaning. Ooh. No more, uh, no more fennel-fed <laughs> milk. For, uh, yeah, Mr. Cage. yeah, yeah. Yeah, no yeah. more increased yield. You know, I was actually fully expecting there to be a scene where he went to milk the alpaca, and it was just that the milk was just that magenta color. That would have been too much. Like, <laughs> I just yeah, like, you know what? No, that's uh, you know what? I, 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 I'm glad that they didn't do that. I was actually going to say I'm glad that they didn't do that. But yeah. I was fully expecting for there to be a I, a milking and look at this. Mm. I'm, mm. I'm actually really, really happy with how subtle the, um, the items that were ingested that were infused with the color yeah. 
were mm-hmm. like it was just mm-hmm. like a little prismatic sheen and some ice cubes or yeah just a, it's just enough it's it it doesn't need to be like oh yeah they they dunked them in the well and came out like this it's just just mm-hmm. a little bit you just need yeah a little a bit touch. for it to all go bad yeah 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 just a little um just a little dab yeah uh, and alternatively, the slow progress of the color completely overcoming the the farm is the landscape. Really great. Yeah, yeah. Like we get one, we get one magenta flower, and you know the magenta praying mantis, and then the next day it's like a field of magenta flowers, and the tomato plants are starting to grow magenta leaves, uh, and the air has just this little tint to it. Yes. But by by the point we're at, we're full on like fairy tale, like clouds of magenta mist and and like glitter in the air, just rolling through. Uh, you can't tell what time of day it is because it's just pink. Um, I I, I <laughs> it's really gorgeous, think honestly, I think that shot of of Nicolas Cage entering the uh, barn mm. um, to to kill the alpacas, and you can see yeah. the trees in the background, and they're just all. All the foliage is just magenta. Is mm. really just one of the best shots. Like it's, yeah. it's the the we spent so much time in the barn. We spent so many scenes in the barn, and the barn's still normal, but mm. everything else is just corrupted, and it's yeah. just it's just real good. It's it's yeah it's a good yeah. shot. Yeah, well, that's, even even the opening mm. of the film before anything goes crazy, there's these long stands of like I don't know if they're pine, whatever these trees are, they're huge, mm. and they kind of just move a little, and it's like upsetting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. eerie. Yeah, um, they, this, they're this not moving also... with any wind. Mm. Yeah, yes. yeah. That's that's actually a point from the uh, the short story. Mm-hmm. Uh, the trees, the trees move with the sap rather than with the wind. Um, this is this color palette is also uh, quite a big uh, deviation from the short story as well. Um, in the short story, the color is more like a distinct entity which is leaching life out of the local area, which this one does eventually. Um, but whenever we get told, you know, like I went to the farm during this, you know, like halfway through the process, I went there eight months in. And I looked around, everything was just, like, a little grey and wilty. Um, yeah, so, like, the progress there was, yeah, yeah, the progress there was, like, to dust and decay and everything, whereas in this, it's, like, vibrant and full of life and really, really changed. Um, we eventually get to the grey dust of death, uh, but not for a little bit yet. Um, yeah, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's just stunningly beautiful, again. Great, great visuals. Um... So having put the alpacas out of their misery, uh, Nick Cage goes up to uh, the attic now where they've moved uh, Jerisa because the sunlight hurts it. <laughs> um, and, you know, orders uh, Lavinia and Benny out of the room. They they make the assumption that he's going to put their younger brother and mother out of their misery. He thinks he's going to do that, but uh, he can't bring himself to. And so instead gives Teresa a good long goopy magenta e kiss and says oh, i'll get you some help and then we'll go on that trip we've always dreamed of and then just walks out of the attic yep and, yep he, he's had enough he that's it's, that's sort of his actual mental break point i think in the film um uh, so <laughs> i like nick cage's performance 
now in this movie. Mm. I had a real problem with it the first time, as I did with most things in this movie. <laughs> um, but given the concept of the weird time dilation and how his, his mood seemingly flips, like mm. on a dime, it almost ex- feels like he's experiencing like all of these emotions instantaneously and then like mm. sliding out of it. So yeah. when, and I think this, I think the scene where he, 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 he is about to uh, put down Jerisa is, is like, is what cemented it for me. It was, it felt very much like, Okay, he's got he like he's instantly processed like this entire thing. He's deluded himself into thinking that it can be better like within the span of like 5 seconds. And I I'm not entirely sure whether or not that is is intentional or just a cage performance uh um <laughs> um uh I would go with, like, a blend of both. Yeah. (laughs) A Tate's performance decision and time dilation. So he he improvs a large chunk of his scenes, as far as I'm aware. I'm not surprised. Um, The the other (laughs) cast, when they were talking about the making of it, because the making of it didn't go, it wasn't very long. Like, it was a mini-documentary. But in particular, uh, Jack... The, the the youngest boy um yes w- was really enthused about getting lessons of in improv from Nicolas Cage uh and <laughs> they they talked about that a little bit where he would just chew the scenery and just go on and people had to fit their own dialogue into whatever he was doing uh, as i think is just a general case with um with his with his method of acting um right it's it's good. It's always good performance, and he again is like perfectly encapsulated in letting loose in this film. So it doesn't feel mm. um, as much like a performance as in some of his other movies where he's just going ham. This one, he's supposed to be going crazy, so it makes more right. sense. Yeah, and he's just mm. he does chew it a little bit. Um, in general, when he's just the dad and not not crazy, um, yes. Yeah. But he also, yeah. but it also just feels like that's exactly the kind of like you you moved out into the middle of the forest. Oh and, yeah, and 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 and, and decide to to uh, create an alpaca farm. You're a little <laughs> off in general, so yeah. Oh, I yeah. mean, he's getting that's like fair. it's for a reason, but his family doesn't like it. Like they're yeah, oh they're, oh, oh they're no they're they, putting they up with they, what his they, decision was. Yeah, they do not respect his decision whatsoever, and um and 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 they have have also given up on pretending like they respect his yeah. decision. Yeah, well, and, and it wasn't <laughs> yeah. a um, it wasn't a sound decision in the first place. Like not this, at this, all. This, none of no. what he's doing is uh something that's going to pan out. It's bound to likely fail. Like the chances right, of it yeah. succeeding are far smaller than the chances of it not, 
Um, it's a gamble mm. and he's only kind of able to do this because it's inherited land. Like if he just tried to go yeah. do this normally, it wouldn't have worked. He wouldn't have been able to do it. Right. No. I don't know yeah. what alpacas cost. I'm imagining they're very expensive. Um, <laughs> oh, you know yeah. what? I should, I should <laughs> actually ask my, I should actually ask my partner because my partner has friends who run an alpaca farm. Oh, that we, are, yeah. we should actually visit at some point in the near future because we've been yeah. trying to arrange that for a while. Yeah, just stand so, yes, on yes. right. Go try the alpaca milk for us. So, Let us so, know what it's like. Right. So, you know, like like <laughs> nine months from now, after I the when when the troubles have hopefully subsided, um mm. just keep your fingers crossed that I do not come back fused with my partner. That will be bad. <laughs> nightmare i mean we'd get an extra podcast host yeah that's true i mean uh, well yeah it could be worse i could fuse with one of the alpacas and that just oh, be God. a nightmare <laughs> oh animorphs oh, 2020 God. 2021 oh boy yeah uh. yeah i always envisioned myself as an alpaca that 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 slow that image transformation mm. scene will be terrible at uh, all, not at all. God, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yes, uh, Nathan has sort of he, he he's given up in his heart of hearts, but he sort of reached that break point of uh, everything's fine. My brain is not processing this anymore. Um, while Lavinia mutilates herself. Uh, Attempting to perform a ceremony using the Necronomicon to protect her uh, yes. and get her the hell out of here, <laughs> um, which I mean you could argue technically works by the end of the film, sort of, kind of. Um, <laughs> uh, and she and Benny sort of prepare to just straight up get out of Dodge. They're going to run away. They're going to get out of this farm. Uh, it's everything's going to be fine. Um, if only the horse would stay with them. Uh, if, if only they hadn't left the tack in the barn and mm. Benny wasn't such a coward. <laughs> to, to be fair, of all of the breakdowns and trans, Benny probably got off the easiest. Oh, absolutely. Mm. Like he, oh, his, yeah. oh, absolutely. His, none of his was his own failings because the things that were like... Mm made worse weren't like they're not critical character failures yeah they're just stuff yeah. that makes it hard for you to get stuff done like yeah. he yeah. just became yeah complacent in like the worst ways mm. yeah i mean staying up till 2 a.m playing co space program and smoking pot will probably not help your productivity but hey mm. hey he was monitoring <laughs> he was he had his eyes to the sky yeah, 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 totally. <laughs> oh, that does, that does, that does lead me to like the only thing that even on second viewing, I'm like, mm, that's a little on the nose, which is the no flesh mm. shall be spared that he yeah. has on his wall. And I'm like, <laughs> movie, come on. Like, yeah. geek, like, like pretend that somebody has read this story before. Mm, yeah. <laughs> pretend that somebody's aware of this source material. Don't do this to me. I cannot. I refuse to have this eighteen wheeler slam me in the face with this this <laughs> message. I will uh, not accept it. Yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah. Anyway, Benny oh. can't get the tack into. Oh, it's worth mentioning that the horse's name is Comet because yes. irony. 
Yes. Um, yeah, Benny can't get the tack in time before Comet gets a spark of the color in its eyes and just freaks out and runs off. Um, actually, I think the horse is the only one who gets off scot-free in this movie yep. now that I think about it. Horse had a good time. Um, <laughs> uh, as opposed to the, the short story where the horses had the worst time. Um, yes. Uh, but so the, the, uh, Benny and Lavinia decide they've got to do it on foot. Uh, and as they prepare to trek out from the farm, Benny hears their dog, Sam, uh, howling from inside the well and insists, oh, it'll just take two minutes and begins climbing down into the well yep. to get the dog. And when questioned, insists, oh, he'll just put him in the bucket and then you then can you... pull him up. Uh, I'm looking at this bucket. This, the, is not a, this is not a uh, big dog-sized bucket. The bucket is the size <laughs> of, like, a person's head, maybe. It's small. Yeah, it's small yeah. The, the, yeah. The, the, the bucket is smaller than the dog's head. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, not, it's not a sound um, plan, and it doesn't go no, well. No. Nope. Nope. Color bursts out of the well and... Absorbs incinerates, him. Absorbs him instantaneously. <laughs> Yeah, once a, once again, all things considered, Benny gets the gets it the the least bad out of everybody in in, oh, yeah. in the film. It seems like yeah. he, he's he's over and done with real real quick. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um obviously Lavinia is not dealing well with this. Um and neither is Nathan because he's very angry that the kids are outside of their rooms and grabs Lavinia, pulls her inside and locks her in with uh, the Jerisa monster, which has now undergone a further transformation into a terrible eight-legged... It's literally just a thing. It's just the thing. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, it's great. Again, uh, this is the other bit of big, like, practical effects. Uh, they had they had a dancer inhabiting this big eight-legged hunched-over suit um, for the wide shots, and then they had the actress for uh, Teresa do the face shots separately in full makeup, um, which apparently she massively enjoyed. Uh, she enjoyed seeing the fear on everyone's faces in uh, an interview, she said, which was great. Yes. Um, <laughs> and I think uh, she also yeah. mentioned that the <laughs> that she was confused because the the director the she's like the entire time he never said anything to me but then when i put on this thing he was like oh you're so beautiful and he's like that was i don't yeah. know how to feel about that <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> um just want to point out just have to say once again give uh look up to the sky and and, and give a little prayer to to the silent hill film for mm. uh teaching everybody that you want you want a good looking good moving monster you put a mm. dancer in a gross costume that's exactly. how you get a monster yes. that's what yeah. monsters are dancers in gross <laughs> costumes we'll also I mean, leave a yeah. nod to dog soldiers because that was ballet dancers in werewolf gear wow well, yes yeah that was great so that works <laughs> like i'm like i'm like thanks thanks arguably the, one of the better video game adaptations for mm. securing how monsters should move exactly um, meanwhile, outside the terribly awful farm, uh, the local sheriff has found just a mound of animal bodies fused together, including the body of G-Spot, uh, yes. identified only by her collar. Uh, yes. <laughs> again, uh, at some point earlier, Tommy Chong said, oh, you can look for a man, but I don't think you'll recognize her. <laughs> yeah. Again, he was clued in the whole time. He knows what's Oh, up. yeah. Yeah. It's in the water. 
but he doesn't mind about that. Um, <laughs> and so obviously something's wrong at the farm, so Ward and the Sheriff uh, posse up and just drive right on over. So um, this this is yeah. where the where the time dilation thing, uh, I think, like, area of effect really hit me, because as mm. they're driving to the farm, they, it's almost, it's almost just like in the Mouth of Madness when they're driving <laughs> the Hobbs End, where mm. there's this clear delineation of just color change as they pass into its area of influence. And I'm like, that's it. That's where the time, that's like the edge yeah. of the time dilation is yeah. when they drive into it and it gets just slightly magenta. And then they see mm. Comet running out because yeah. the horse lives in this one because the horse mm. lives. Yeah, exactly. Oh, uh, yeah. If you can see this color, you are too close to the, <laughs> the oh, color yeah. out of space. Yeah. Um, just a little sign up on the road is all they needed. Um, yeah. So they, they, uh, they posse up, they drive into the farm, all heroic, like, uh, they find Nathan just kind of insensibly believing his family is still there on the couch with him. He's watching TV with his family. He's having a great time. Uh, there are screams from upstairs. They run upstairs. They break down the attic door. Lavinia is being, you know, on the verge of being eaten by uh, the Jerisa hybrid. Terrible, awful monster. I really hate looking at this thing. It is the worst part of a spider in the thing combined. Um, and it's very... And, uh... Yeah, is is extremely drippy. Not not fond of that. Um, <laughs> uh, but Nathan bursts up there with them as well and takes it out, uh, saying it's not his family. <laughs> yeah, um, they're because, not. They're not yeah. my family. They're not my family. My family is um, watching television. <laughs> so once again, that 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 seems like nonsense. But during the finale, that mm. that actually kind of comes up. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. Again, he's at this point where he's in tune enough with the color that he's experiencing the timeline of when they were still relatively normal. Yeah. Altogether. Yeah. So, from his point of view, he just saved someone from a terrible, awful monster in his attic, and now he's just going to go hang out downstairs again. Oh, that's fine. Whatever. <laughs> um, and, you know, people try to exit the house. The color erupts out of the well. Uh, again, this thing looks glorious. Um, he goes to, uh, Nathan goes to shoot it, but the sheriff's, from the sheriff's point of view, he's pointing his gun at Ward. And so, of course, the sheriff shoots Nathan, uh, which actually causes the color to freak out and retreat back into the well for a moment, um, which is interesting. Uh, it's, it's, it's linked to him. It's linked to all of them. It's sort of drawing from them. So I guess it's driven back momentarily by this. Um <laughs> Lavinia is, of course, heartbroken by this. She says she won't leave. She says she can't <coughs> leave. She says the color won't let you leave. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but the, the sheriff and ward still have got to try. So they go to pick up uh, Ezra, pick up Tommy Chong. Uh, and he looks like he's been dead for about a year. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <clears throat> there's one thing that I really love uh, uh, about Lavinia right before they, they mm. leave which is when she says she she's not going to leave. I live here. Yeah, and yeah. that's that's it. Mm. Uh, Nick Cage also gets a really fantastic line. Sorry to just go back to oh, yeah, way no, no, earlier, no. way earlier in the film <laughs> where um, uh, Teresa is talking about what a dream it is, and he says, "No, no, uh, a dream is a uh, dream you dream alone. A mm. dream you dream together is reality." 
Yes, which, which is great. Which, yeah. It's it's, it's so also, great. The director used that as the closing <laughs> line for the last day of the the rap. Oh, mm. <laughs> yeah, it's a good line. <laughs> you should use it more. Yeah, um, yeah. Again, lo- lots of lots of good Wibbly uh, lines in this. Um, yeah, they uh, they go to pick up Ezra. He's a desiccated corpse with his uh, tape recorder playing loops of him just ranting about how it's in the water and it's in everyone and it's drawing power and changing, twisting things to suit its home world. And uh, yeah, uh, this is this is an unknowable alien force uh, from across the stars, um, and uh, because it's infected him and his body, uh, and it wants to get a handle on the other people around here, it sort of explodes his head. Yeah, he um, just came yeah. implodes. <laughs> Um, mm. which is, which is, uh, a reworking of, of, of a concept in, in the book of, of mm. the complete dissolution. Is it, is it, is it, uh, Ward, uh, not Ward, but, um, Nathan in the, in the original story? I always forget. Um, name. in, in, in the original story, it's, the name is Nahum, technically. Oh, there we go. It's meant to be a Nathan, yeah. Um, Nahum's, like, ultimate dissolution at the end, where he just kind of crumbles mm. into a, like, implodes into, like, a dust thing, but this one is significantly mm. more spectacular. Yeah, um, yeah. And his recording, um, when they're, because it's a reel-to-reel, like, old-school, um, tape mm. recording set. Yeah. And the magnetic strip on it is, it's just been playing for who knows how long. So it'll mm. the voice warps like as it's as it's talking. So it's it's Tommy Chong, but it'll just go real low and real slow, Ooh. and then kind of speed back up. <laughs> um, it mm. it feels like nods to old um, Evil Dead or anything where you have yeah. that style of recorder playing, and it's supposed to be very important information, but it's like degraded slightly, so it makes it even a little bit spookier. Um, yeah, probably my best also, like effect like that's happening uh, audio wise in the film. I I also appreciate it because um because it it does the reveal that it is his his RCA a real to real uh tape recorder is where the sound is coming from is it takes long but it takes a while for that to to be the thing that the audience mm. discovers in the the sequence so there is an aspect of oh god is Ezra just like some horrible like monster mm. that just sounds like this now no no he's actually yeah. dead and it's just a tape layer so yeah. it's a it's a really good effective way of also like bringing some tension uh in a in a really simple way while also delivering a lot mm. of exposition because you know Ezra ancillary character uh, uh weed smoking character is once again has been on top of it the entire time and mm. nobody paid attention <laughs> <laughs> nope um, so yeah, uh, they obviously get the hell out of Dodge again. The color's right here. We need to go. Uh, the sheriff is picked up by a tree. Um, <laughs> because, uh, as, as we mentioned earlier, the trees are moving on their own. Um, yeah, he's picked up by a tree and gets the awful fate of getting a branch down his throat, uh, which undoubtedly kills him. Yes. Um, yeah, they're, they're getting real creepy. Uh, less, less creepy when you see the behind the screen shots of the actor just being yanked up into the air and then bouncing back down like he's on a bungee cord. Yes. Uh, but and then the he's moment, like, 
Can Super we, good listen, shot. This is this hurts. Can we loosen these? Yeah, he's like t- he's <laughs> strapped to a tree. Mm. <laughs> um, but Ward makes it back to the farmhouse and finds Lavinia there and attempts to convince her to get out of here. Uh, at which point, the color just roars up out of the well and sort of makes it looks like it's making like a wormhole or something. Like it's piercing a hole in the crowd. Yeah, crowd. It's, this this beam of energy is going up to the heavens. Yeah, as far as I can, yeah. as far as I read it, is it it spent the time here, so it crashed here on accident needed the energy to go back home or wherever and it took that time and that effort to like harvest it from the local surroundings Mm. and then it's using this to go back yes yeah 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 that's Um, pretty much exactly it (laughs) which which once again also is a is a nice uh makes makes the time dilation thing a nice concept with uh which is that yeah instead this would have under under normal circumstances that humans can can understand and apply logic and reason to this probably would have taken centuries but because it can Mm. just manipulate time by its very presence it's probably like (laughs) what would have taken centuries took about a week but hey guess what there were also living organic things here so oops Mm. too bad for you Yep, exactly. Um, yeah, Lavinia reaches out, touches Ward, and we get a vision of what's going on with the color, as it were. We see its home world of just terrible June tentacles riding through this weird world. I, (laughs) I would have preferred to not have seen it. (laughs) They they did a pretty good job. They showed in the making of the concept art they were using, and they actually scaled Mm. it down quite a bit from the strength. There was a lot of temple, Mm. obscure architecture, uh, a lot more going on, and I think this is actually a much more simplistic version of that, so it's not going overboard, but it's definitely, Mm. you know, it's a step beyond... Yeah, yeah. Um, we we get some interesting stuff here. Like uh, the the peak of that vision is this weird, weird twisted temple shape again on top of a spire, which actually matches up pretty closely to the rune Lavinia carved on her own forehead as part of this yes. protection ritual. Um, that, that some people are like well, she she wasn't directly attacked except by the Jerisa uh, monsters. She never really directly suffered harm. And uh, she kind of got pulled along for the ride, so maybe the uh, the ritual with Necronomicon works, and that's why she's linked more closely with it, but also it could just be using her for the energy. Um, either way, she gets pulled uh, and dusted straight into this funnel of energy going up into the heavens. Uh, we get really, really fantastic visuals of, like, Ward slowly, like, his afterimage warping and melting and being pulled into, like, this event horizon... Uh, as he seeks shelter in the farmhouse, because screw that out there. Um, this this is like the high action version of the short story's climax. Honestly, um, yes, yeah. And, in, and in the, the short story, it isn't, the, mm. it isn't really all that actiony anyway. It, it, like no. there, 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 there's there's a different kind of threat from the color at the end mm. compared to the yeah. short story. But it is, it feels like it is. As appropriately like abrupt an ending to the ordeal in both the yeah. short story and and the film because yeah. uh, surprise mm. surprise uh, Nathan is <laughs> sitting in his <laughs> chair 
mm. and now is speaking with the voice of his family, um, mm-hmm. mainly, uh, mainly Lavinia, uh, uh, reciting lines that were said earlier in the movie. Um, we've got the, we've got the magenta light flashing. There's a mm. great shot of, of the, the lights flash and there's the family sitting on the couch all watching TV together. <laughs> Nathan attacks mm. Ward, uh, and Ward manages to, uh, uh, resist Nathan's attack, uh, mm. head to the, uh, wine cellar that was yep. established earlier in the film <laughs> and yep. Chekhov's wine cellar. Yes. Yep. <laughs> and, and wait out the storm, which, uh, obliterates everything except for the yeah. wine cellar but except yeah. for the wine cellar everything yeah. ground level and up um yeah it leaves basically a perfect circle of ash and rubble which uh is described in the short story as a blasted heath yeah uh which th- yeah this looks this looks like an appropriate descriptor for that um so in 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 the short story uh like i said it is less quote unquote actiony like um the the people observing the colors escape from earth uh sort of just huddled down in the farmhouse for a bit and watched it for like a, it seems like an hour or two before it got too intense and they ran out the back and just wandered right. through the woods to get away um and then they returned the next day it's like oh look at this blasted heath uh whereas this is like more like a bomb going off, so you know you seek shelter underground, and then big bang, the color's gone, uh, and all colors uh, gone, all colors gone. Which I actually really, really like. Like even when uh, Ward crawls out from under the rubble of the wine cellar, he is so covered in this ash that he looks himself completely drained of color. Yes, um, which is impressive to do to a black character. Oh. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, it's just this, this, this circle of devastation, several acres across. Um, and, uh, we, we get a, we get a similar epilogue to the short story where, um, the person, uh, investigating thing or involved in the thing, uh, recounts, um, I'm glad it's all underwater slash going to be underwater. I'm never going to drink the water there. <laughs> yep. Cause yeah, it, it's, I'm more comfortable with it under, Tons and tons and tons of water where no one can ever reach it again, but there's probably still something around. Um, and in, in the film, there's Ward standing on top of the dam, looking out over the reservoir, and the sky is kind of weirdly colored, and the clouds are acting a little unnatural looking, honestly. Mm. And then at the last sort of few seconds of the scene, the uh, the little pink praying mantis flies across the shot as well. Yes. Uh, the colors not a hundred percent gone. Yes. It, it's uh, not, and even better, they redo the title card. Mm, yeah. Uh, it's, which is always <laughs> really nice. Bookended. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, it was, it, the, the concept that the color, the color hadn't completely left was, uh, uh, significantly more explicit in the short story. Mm. Um, when, when it, when it blasts out of the well, one of the, I believe the, the main narrator of the short story yeah. notes that it, there was a tiny bit of it that could not follow the rest of the it. mass and receded mm. back into the well. Um, yeah, yeah. 
And uh, we also get the benefit in the short story of hearing what happened in the years after, whereas you kind of skipped that uh, with the movie. In the years after, the locals reckon the heath is growing by like an inch every year. Yep. And um, yeah, and the short stories from the perspective of forty years after the incident, <laughs> people yes. are like, oh, this this, this area is getting bigger slowly. We're just going to start moving out of the area. <laughs> Everyone's and, and, left. And the implication is that uh, that a a great amount of time has passed. Uh, mm. between uh, the the climax of the film and Lord standing on the yeah. the, the dam. Mm. The reservoir. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that yes. would have taken time to build, and he's a little bit older for it. Yes. Mm. I yeah. Was, yeah, at first I was like, he's not old enough, and I was like, ah, oh, right, he's black. I'm <laughs> like, I'm like, I still look like I'm 23, so like, yes, this yeah, is fine. You get, you get to age gracefully. <laughs> yeah, which is by virtue of never aging at all. I'll look mm-hmm. like this forever. I'm so <laughs> oh, excited. The eternal Leonard. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it'll be like that. It'll be like that episode of Cowboy Bebop with that murderous ch- child that can never age. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> oh man. Um. Yeah. So um, we we gave our opinions up, but yeah, this is this is a good film. It's a good introductory Lovecraft. Um, as uh, David Leonard said. Um, I would I would really suggest do read the uh the short story. It's not overly long. It's about thirty pages. Um, it is the classic love so- Lovecraft style. It's very verbose. Got a lot of descriptions. Um, but it is interesting to see that sort of odd um that odd distance in storytelling between the actual story and um how we see it because we see like the investigator talking to a person who showed up for like two or three of the events 40 years ago and just recounting it as best he can yeah um yeah yeah and and we get good differences there and um it it sets the scene a lot more like we don't have to in a movie obviously but in the short stories like you know this is the place no one wants to live here the poles tried it the czechs tried it the italians they left germans gone no one wants to settle here anymore. Everyone's moving away. So we're going to turn it into a reservoir. But, you know, we thought we'd uh, just check in with everyone first and some weird tales. And, yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's an enjoyable short story. And uh, I, I actually really like the differences in the two. It makes them feel, like you said, like they can be viewed distinctly and separately. Yes. But I, I enjoyed the uh, the compare and contrast here. Um, and, seeing how and, things uh, And I... I will also say that um, if you if you do end up watching this movie and don't care for it, I would give it a little time. And mm. if you have the time within like the same day, give it another look over. Um, uh, once mm. again, there were things about the movie, once my own pre preconceived notions and my wants that affected my mm. initial viewing. But there, there's also things that are deliberately um this movie's once again shot in a way that is deliberately unsettling in that mm. you are unable to distinguish how time works or how much time yeah. has passed and that is completely and utterly intentional it's not mm. it's it's i don't find it to be an actual pacing in issue it is explicitly designed to make you feel uneasy about how much time has passed and what what is going on 
spatially with within mm. this this area. So that would yeah. be my recommendation, which is if you walk away saying, hmm, I didn't like it, but I can't say that I thought it was bad yeah just give mm. it a i'd say give it another look over you might you might be able to to uh go one way or the other on the fence with with your mm. uh, assertion uh not assertion but um uh, experience yeah. with the film yes yeah yeah absolutely a wonderful idea all right uh dave any other comments uh nope i think we got this one pretty squared away mm. all righty well Thank you all for joining us for another episode of Monster, Dear Monster. Um, <clears throat> you can find our show on Twitter at mon underscore demonster. Is that right? Yeah. Monster, Dear Monster. Oh, good, good lot. I'm forgetting myself. Um, you can find us at monsterdear.monster yep. for uh, our website. Yep. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at night underscore twin. That's night without a K. Uh, join me for... Um, memes uh political statements and animal pictures mostly animal pictures at this point it's a comfort thing um dave where can we find you you can find me on twitter at stentinut underscore plus there's i well, I, I i retweet things i don't know I, there's not yeah, a lot of oh, yeah. there's not a lot of uh, <laughs> original content on that platform mm. of recent yeah. times sometimes there's artwork just kind of yeah. depends on how i'm feeling yeah there's some art there's occasionally a dave workout picture yeah that happens to be strong for the monsters yeah <laughs> um <laughs> and leonard where can we find you hi guys i'm back leonard had to step oh, away <laughs> but if you need leonard's information on where you can find him online you can search for at dr faust is dead on twitter.com he's got a hilarious hilarious twitter mm. that you'll absolutely love and if you love high concept video game anything you can go to uh, dr faust is dead on youtube and all of his work is immaculate i give him all of the credit genius genius level genius level work it's me nicholas cage not Leonard at all <laughs> thank you mr cage <laughs> all right well uh that will wrap our show for the week thank you very much for listening we hope you have enjoyed it uh we hope you watched along and read along and enjoyed the movie and the short story uh and until next time goodbye bye y'all goodbye everyone